Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. All right, this is good stuff. Yeah. It's the Laugh Podcast. We're your hosts. Over there is the uh, Two Frames. Howdy. And I'm the L Train, and this week we're going to be reviewing the movie Creed. This is the seventh installment of Rocky movies. Does it qualify as Rocky Seven? Oh, or is it its own thing? No, I think we should call it Rocky Seven. Okay, this is uh, about young Adonis Johnson, who never knew his famous father, boxing champion Apollo Creed. Apparently, very closely based on Muhammad Ali. He died before Adonis was born. However, boxing is in his blood, so he seeks out Rocky Balboa, played by Sylvester Stallone, and asks the retired champion to be his trainer. Rocky sees much of Apollo and Adonis and agrees to mentor him even as he battles an opponent of his own. With Rocky's help, Adonis soon gets a title shot, but whether he has the true heart of a fighter remains to be seen. He's right over here. We had to separate him from his fight with the other inmates. Hey, Donnie. Your father was a great man to me. I don't know him. Ain't got nothing to do with me. Well, I think you could be great, too. So what made you want to fight? My pop was a fighter. Died before I was born. Bounced around foster care, in and out of juvie. I've been fighting my whole life. It's not a choice for me. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Who's next? I believe that's true in the ring, and I think that's true in life. So, so you're going to leave me too? You know how many times I had to carry the heavyweight champion of the world up these stairs because he couldn't walk. Ribs broken, nose broken, eyes swollen shut. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of taking on the name and losing. Call me a fraud. You're still caught in the shadow. Every move that I make, every punch that I throw, everything's going to be compared to him. You are Apollo Creed's son, so use the name. It's yours. This is directed by Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. Who did uh, Fruitvale Station? That's his only other feature film. And uh, it inspired my dad to shadow box his way out of the theater. <laughs> so I'm wondering, did it have the same effect on you? I enjoyed the film overall. I've always been a fan of the Rocky films. I think this is a good entry. It does a nice uh, job of playing homage to the previous films, while at the same time creating its own story, creating its own character. I like Michael B. Jordan in this film. I'm interested to see where his character goes from here. And I really hope that we get a couple more Creed films. Oh, I think we're definitely going to get more than, more than one more Creed the, film. The problem is Michael B. Jordan is starting to blow up in Hollywood. He is becoming quite the hot commodity. He was earlier in Fantastic Four, which didn't do that well. He was good in that film. He signed up to do a lot of other films. I really feel like Hollywood's trying to turn him into the next Will Smith, where he's going Ooh. to be the hot African-American male actor. Oh, well, I think that uh, he, I think he wants to play this role. I think he wants to be identified as this role. Much like uh, Sylvester Sloan is identified as Rocky Balboa. I read he signed on, or he he's agreed to do more Creed movies. The question becomes... At what point does it become its own thing without any reference? 
back to Rocky? Or does it always going to exist in this Rocky universe? Is there always going to be the patina of Rocky or the stink of Rocky hanging on Creed? And then when his children become boxers in uh, 17 years. I kind of like that idea. It goes on and on and on for perpetuity. If it were if it were me writing the series, I would keep Rocky around for the next film. And then in the third Creed film, you kill him. Just like how Mickey dies in the third Rocky film. Oh, so you're going to kill off Rocky. I think that could be very impactful. And pretty much the later films start killing off a main character in each film. Hmm. I think I texted you and I said, this is a paint-by-numbers movie, but I like the numbers. Well, is it a paint-by-numbers or a paint-by-Rocky-numbers movie? Paint-by-Rocky-numbers. I mean, if you like Rocky films, you'll like this. And I think it's inventive enough where it doesn't feel like they're just redoing the exact same storylines and just, you know, it's on a repeat now. I agree because... I agree with you because I think Rocky at its core is a love story and that's sort of the beating heart of this movie. Although I thought it was shoehorned in a little bit. I do, it, it grew on me after a while and, and I enjoyed that part of the movie as much as it deserved being that I don't really love uh, love stories or I don't even really like that subplot. But one of the things I really like about this movie is its linear nature in terms of plotting. There aren't a whole lot of extraneous subplots. It's a uh, it's a lot like pretty soon I'm going to be teaching Othello in uh, in my AP class and that has the reason I choose that that play is because of its singular motion forward on one main plot mm-hmm. unlike other Shakespeare that has a whole lot of side plots a whole lot of other um, you know Ancillary. sort of minutia yeah. uh, this movie doesn't really have that it has texture and it has small parts and it has um, interesting little uh, tidbits existing inside of this rocky universe but it doesn't it doesn't really try to stretch out beyond that which is it becomes a weakness in the film too i'll talk about that i think a little bit later on but Um, its greatest strength is also its greatest weakness yeah sylvester stallone he said about it what's amazing is that this character in these stories have stayed around without any special effects without any car chases without blowing anything up which is what I usually do. No bullets, no cursing, no sex scenes, Stallone said. That's what I think is so phenomenal, that a generation that wasn't even around when we did the third one forgot the first one, would embrace this, and take it to a new level. Yeah, I think it's getting a lot of, uh, of young people interested in it. My literature and film class is in the computer lab on Monday of this week, and they were watching the, the trailer for it. They hadn't seen it yet. They're not... They're not kids nowadays aren't really into movies, but yeah. I understand that this movie is setting audiences on fire. It's well done. Half of my audience shadow boxed its way out of the theater. <laughs> you were the only two in there. Yeah, uh, there weren't a whole lot of people in the theater I was in. I mean, I went in an odd time, but everyone seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, I think we went at like four thirty in the afternoon yesterday in Gloucester, so that's not going to be the, the the biggest crowd overall. Uh, what other things did you like about it? Uh, I like the acting performances. I liked Stallone a lot in this film. Uh, it's strange. Most boxers get less eloquent the more they're punched in the head. Rocky Balboa is the opposite. Okay. He becomes much smarter as these movies go on. He's much better with words and monologues. He, he's a more interesting and nuanced character, I feel, as the series has gone on. Well, this is the first movie that 
Stallone doesn't have a direct writing credit. He gets a uh, writer's credit for the characters, but he's sort of seeded over some control. Although I guess I'm sure that he collaborated with him and I don't know how much is ad lib, but I do know that he, uh, I mean, he still is control in control of Rocky Balboa. Uh, you've mentioned that he wanted to kill him off in, in the movie Rocky Balboa. Uh, I think even earlier ones he played Rocky around Five. with that idea. Yeah. And does, then decided against it at the last minute. Where does this movie rank? Amongst all Rocky yeah. films? Ooh. Definitely above five. I'd put it above four. Ooh. Love four. Four is great, but four is almost a parody. It, of brought, it, it brought an end to uh, communism in Russia. Uh, it, it ended the Cold War. I'll put this behind. I'll say Rocky, Rocky two. Creed, hmm. Rocky Balboa. All right. Where you put this. So I got well, this in three. It gets the bronze. I got Rocky three first. <laughs> Rocky four second. <laughs> Rocky and then Creed. This is the best Creed film. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I'm glad that we can uh, agree on this. Yeah, there's nothing I don't like about Rocky. In fact, even this movie really wouldn't have as much impact to me if it weren't for uh, Rocky five. There are things that they're referenced in this movie that you need to have Rocky Five for, oh, you in order for it's it's elusive. You, you need him to fail as a trainer before he can so. succeed. Fair Mickey enough. is a trail. Mickey, when he meets him, is a sort of a failed mentor, and then Mickey in the in the Rocky movies needs Rocky as much as Rocky needs Mickey. That's that sort of symbiosis is important as a subtext. There's a lot of subtext, and I really don't. I mean, so if for no other reason, Rocky Five is elevated by this movie. This movie makes Rocky Five better, right. and and I'd be interested to revisit that. Go right ahead. I, I don't. I, think I caught up about with ten minutes of it. It was on Spike TV over the weekend. Not a fan. Does this get uh, Sylvester Stallone an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor? I, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's what they're pushing. It seems like a lot of uh, the publicists surrounding this movie have put that thought out there. I say yes. All right. I I don't think he wins. I I think he gets a nomination. It's a a strange little category because it could be anybody, you know. I mean, last year, uh, who was the guy that won it for Whiplash? Uh, J.K. Simmons. That was almost the leading role. It was almost like a co-lead. But then um, the guy that, that won, Alan Arkin won it for Little Miss Sunshine. I think he had like maybe eight and a half minutes of screen time and 15 lines. Yeah. And he won Best Supporting Actor. So this is sort of the throwaway Oscar. Isn't it also the very first Oscar that they... Generally, you start off with the supporting yeah. Uh, and I guess I don't mean throwaway. I mean more like uh, it doesn't have that, to be for a series of a film. It, it can be the feel good award. A lot of people say that this movie should be nominated for best picture. Do you agree? Uh, I think I have it on the outside, but I want to see what the rest of December brings. But if it gets nominated for best picture, I'm not sure I disagree with it. Okay. Uh, what about you? Would you? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't care. Sure. I mean, you. It seemed like I said, audiences really like it, and it, I think the they the uh, the uh, academy is going to want to make people happy, so they might as well put something in there. It's a feel good movie. 
It's a has a diverse cast. They love that kind of stuff. And I feel like this is a movie that's going to stick around for thirty years. Well, yeah, especially if they start um, adding to the to the Creed legacy. And thirty years from now, there will be a Creed Junior. I hope right? so. Running around. Yeah, be awesome. Will he? Will his last name be Johnson? Of course. Johnson. So the movie will be Johnson. <laughs> Let's see They'll have Creed 2, 3, 4, and then Johnson 2, 3, 4. Uh, what do you think of the fight scenes? There are three fights in this film. That's one of the things that I really liked about it was the very first fight scene was the cinematography. Apparently, it was really one full take. There weren't any tricks. According to an article in Variety written by Christopher Tapley, mm-hmm. the cinematographer on this is uh, the same cinematographer from The Wrestler. Okay. Well, then that explains that uh, opening fight in Mexico uh, when he's going to the ring. That's very similar to the wrestler. When he and at the end of the movie, when they're trailing behind him, mm-hmm. apparently there are a lot of tracking shots, a lot of one takes. Uh, her name is Marcy Alberti, and I think they took twelve takes to do that first two-minute long fight. Not the very first fight, but the fight that's at the at the turning point of the movie, at the end of Act One, um, it's uh, two oh what a one and a half rounds, mm-hmm. and they choreographed it, ran it through. They failed, I think, nine times, and it became a struggle. You know, they would get a little bit further and a little bit further, and then on the tenth time, they finally made it all the way through. And so, at the end of that shot, I think Stallone and uh, the actress that plays his love interest. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think she's there as well. Oh yeah, and she goes uh, crazy. They Tessa all, Thompson. And they say that that was genuine because they actually were happy that they got through the entire uh, shot without making a mistake. Oh, so I it mean, was like an actor's joy as opposed to the mentor boy or girlfriend joy. They they were like, oh my, that was that was something uh, to behold. So I thought there were a lot of cheats in it. I I thought I saw cuts that apparently weren't there. So. Well, if you're choreographing this, you're going to choreograph it in a way where you have the options to use those cheats if it doesn't work in camera. You know, if you can't get the one shot, you want to leave yourself options to, you know, fix it in post. So I can see that. And then you're talking about, oh, it takes 10 takes. I'm sure those people were excited because that's the better part of a whole day of shooting, if not a whole day, you know, a grueling 12 or 14 hours on set because the reset times had to be ridiculous on there. Uh do you ever watch the Dude Perfect videos, the guys who make the ridiculously long basketball yeah. shots? Uh-huh. They go crazy when they finally make it. They've had some uh, shots that have taken them three days to get. I would be excited, too, if the ball finally went in the hoop. <laughs> three days, yeah. So, again, that joy is is actually in getting the take done. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's interesting that these fight scenes seem to have been done with a steady cam, where you know, you're wearing a big rig that holds mm-hmm. the camera in place. And the Rocky films are very important for the evolution of the Steadicam. That shot of Rocky running up the steps mm-hmm. is one of the first uses of the Steadicam. I'm not sure if that comes before or after the opening shot of Halloween. Well, but, they say it was the first mainstream movie that had studio. Oh, and people uh, were just amazed that the mm-hmm. camera could keep up with an actor as he's going up these steps that are fairly irregular. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a nice shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they, there's a uh, they they sort of 
ref reference that as well. There are a lot of little references to the earlier movies. Uh, do you want to spoil it some? Yeah, we can go in spoilers. Really good movie. I think we're both suggesting that people go see it. <laughs> but I do have some problems with it. All right, go ahead. All right. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. You, you've been good. We'll let you. We'll let you complain now. All right. So part of the problem I had is also its strength. I said the linear plot line is something I enjoyed about it, but I don't like the way that some characters are just sort of like cast off, or some characters are sort of introduced and then they're never really dealt with. It just sort of. Uh, it's like we're rushing to the end and towards the end, the movie resembled instead of like a sprint, it resembled like those Olympic walkers. You know, that's what I'm talking about. The long distance walkers All right. with that herky jerky kind of movement. That's kind of what it resembled to me that it's kind of like herks and jerks along in one direction. It seems like they're trying to get rid of uh, ideas or concepts that, that would have been interesting to, you're talking about through on. Michael B. Jordan's mother. We don't get a whole lot. That's of the herky jerky part when she comes back into the scene to sort of take the place of Talia Shire uh, from the first Rocky movie. Like her reaction shots mm-hmm. during that fight scene are pretty daggone annoying. But there's also like this uh, menacing trainer that has a little bit of evil intention because he's jealous of Rocky. Mm-hmm and Rocky's success, and he also wants Rocky to train his son, and I think he assumes that this kid who's come out of nowhere a little bit is some of his success might be due to Rocky, and Rocky decided not to not to train his son. He winds up beating his son, in fact. Mm-hmm. After that fight, we never see him again. They don't even mention him. They don't reference him. I think it would have been nice to come back to. Another character that's right. not even mentioned or referenced, I think, is the true hero of the movie. It's the restaurant manager of Adrian's because that restaurant is still running. They're loading up a bunch of food into that restaurant, but you never see anyone go in there. And Rocky's never there once he starts training. uh, He trains him during the day. The the restaurant's open at night. Okay. So no wonder Rocky breaks down. (laughs) All right. Uh, That's all fine. I, I, I was very impressed with the film. I love the walk up to the last fight. And where they went through the ring ropes, I was wondering how they did it. And the way they framed that ring, apparently this was the first Rocky film to be filmed in uh, 2.35 aspect ratio, which is really, really wide um, compared to uh, like normal widescreen, like a person's TV at home is 1.78. So this has that extra length. And there are shots of the two fighters on opposite ends of the screen, and you feel the distance of the ring. I mean, the screen seems to do a good job of actualizing what it feels like to be in that space. Okay. So I enjoyed all of that, and I thought that added a lot to those fight scenes and gave them a unique look. It didn't feel like I was watching a fight on uh, a television screen. It did like in the fighter they tried to recreate the the look of fight scenes. That people had yeah, seen. Yeah, I was thinking about The Fighter because that was one of my favorite movies of that year. And I don't remember any of the boxing in that movie. Mm. So I don't know how this fits in terms of uh, its presentation of boxing. But I do remember some of the scenes in this movie. I mean, I obviously I just saw it. But some of the things in boxing that make boxing interesting when it used to be interesting are in this movie. Like, guys really get hit. Mm-hmm. And 
that verisimilitude is not necessarily found in even in a lot of Rocky movies. Like uh, there's some scenes in Rocky and Rocky Two where the punches missed by a matter of feet. Oh yeah. So in this movie, guys are really getting hit. In that in that first scene, that first tracking shot, you can't get away from it because the camera is so close to those guys. Plus, they're getting smashed around for ten rounds, you know, or ten takes in that uh, scene. So um, yeah, I like that uh, the verisimilitude. I, I never liked all the haymakers that they threw in the Rocky films. At least in this one, when they would throw the haymaker, it was a shovel hook, a combination of an uppercut and a hook. And during a lot of the training scenes, Rocky's telling him to throw the shovel hook mm-hmm. and having him practice that. And that is the haymaker uh, punch that he throws a lot in the film. So at least it's like, here, we're trying to train for this. You know, we're practicing. It's not just brawling. They still do a bunch of uh, blood in the mouth, spit take kind yeah. of, uh, you know, punch combinations. You're never going to get rid of all of that. But The other thing I, I didn't like about the movie was I thought there was some overexposition, some things that were overexplained. Like, for instance, a scene that's one of the best scenes of the year is ruined by the overexposition and it's ADR work that comes in after the fact, I think, because it, it sounded pretty obvious to me that it was ADR, but um, the scene where Rocky goes to visit his uh, dead wife mm. and he may have already said that Polly's dead, but we find out that Polly's dead there too because his gravestone is next to um, Adrian's gravestone. He comments to him, which is fine because he's going to read the paper to him later. But he says, "Hey, Polly, yeah, you were my best friend. Here's some booze for you. I know you like this." And he puts it on the gravestone, and then he says, "Oh, my little darling," or whatever. He doesn't have to say all that for it to be a better film because I think I would like to read that into that as a movie watcher. I don't want it to explain to me that that's Polly's grave and that this is the guy because he goes up there. It's a nice little touch where he takes the chair down that he has stored in the tree because yeah, he goes there all the time. Right. So he needs that chair. He's not going to lug a chair around with him. It's a very practical guy, very pragmatic. And that chair is nicely weathered. I mean, it feels like it's been there for years. Yeah. If the movie had allowed us to experience that moment quietly, and read that it would have been more poignant and i think that it's a they're allowing for people that don't really know the rocky story well or people that are coming to this without um actually having a an uh relationship with rocky and rocky movies and those other characters uh are being spoon-fed this little bit of information and i think they did it in post-production and i think it was probably a studio decision and I'm not even sure that it's Sylvester Stallone's voice that's talking to him. So that sort of takes me out of it a little bit. I, I, I didn't like those egregious Would moments. you have gotten rid of later in that scene where he's talking to the two of them no. and reading the newspaper? No, because that's a that's a trope, and it's a callback to... Earlier uh, Rocky films. He, he often yeah. gives voice to his thoughts and talks yeah. to the dead and the gone. Yeah. No, I would have liked it to have been a smaller moment and it, something that I could have read. Something okay. I would have... I, I don't know. I, I'd kind of like to go back and rewatch the scene because it might be a little awkward that he starts talking all of a sudden in the middle of it to these, peop- to these uh, dead it, people. He, he could... Well, he, he starts, he, he, he he starts talking st- all of a sudden anyway when he, when he walks up to him. He starts... I, 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 I think that's better when he comes up. I mean, you start talking then. Why did you wait two minutes to start talking? 
until after you've put this stuff. I I, I don't know. I, I'd like to compare the scenes. I, I like your idea. I think it's interesting. I don't know if it feels authentic to the other Rocky films. I think it feels more artificial and, okay. and less authentic, and, and it makes less of an impact. So I, I bet there were a lot of discussions about that and how to handle that scene. Yeah. Another thing I kind of like but I don't like is that we find out that Rocky and the outcome of the Rocky Creed or Rocky Apollo fight number three. The thing I don't like about it is finding out. Uh, the thing that I do like about it is maybe there's some ambiguity. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Everyone's so like, oh, it's definitive. We have our answer. I thought yeah. that was a great moment by Sylvester Stallone. And well, I thought I that was one of his best that. little acting. No, because I think the way he delivers that line, it's ambiguous. Is he just telling this kid something to make him go away? And I don't to know try to appease him. Ooh, well, see, I don't think he's trying to tell him to him to make him go away. I think he's trying to tell it to him because that's what that kid needs to hear. Okay, appease. I mean, however well, you want to phrase like, it. Well, it's more like if, like when Granny was sick last year, we had to take her back and forth to the doctor. She would ask the doctor if she was going to die, you know. And the doctor would, like, depending on the different, like, different doctors would say different things to her. Like, she goes to the emergency room every, I don't know, two or three months. Some emergency room doctors would say, no, you're going to be fine. Just, you know, we'll get through this and every day, another day. Another doctor says to her, well, we all die. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if it, if it is imminent and she is going to die, it doesn't do her any good for you to tell her that. Just tell her she's going to be okay. Because if she dies, it doesn't matter if she's okay or not. There's no great scheme. And, it, and it's, it's, it doesn't, it's, a, it's not even a really a lie because you don't know if she's, I mean, I suppose you do know if she's going to die or not if you're a doctor. But in this case, he didn't know because she lived for another six, seven, eight months, you know? So just, you know, clam up. You don't have to be so uh, coy Fine. with your responses to, I don't even know if coy is the right word, but. I would like for this film to do well enough where they go back and they do the face replacement kind of stuff and we get to see that third fight between Rocky and Apollo. Well, I think that. In a flashback or something. No, I don't want to see the third fight. I, I like the open-endedness of I'm it. I'm not saying we have to see the end of it. Well, we did see the first punch. No, we saw, we saw, yeah, we saw the lead up. Yeah. And you get that freeze frame at the end of the second film. But, spoilers uh, during our spoiler section. Yeah, we're in the spoiler other, section. For, so we could spoil any movie? Well, sweet. The in ship sinks this, in Titanic. So, yeah. And if, you haven't, if you haven't seen any of the other Rocky movies, I think you would still know what the stories are. It's, it's just in the zeitgeist. Like, everybody knows that Darth Vader is Luke's father, right? And, right. and I th you might not know that Rocky loses the fight at the end of Rocky. In, in fact, if you saw that movie, you wouldn't know that he lost that fight necessarily. Um, similarly, Adonis Johnson Creed in this movie, he wins by losing mm -hmm. at the end of this. I mean, it follows the same pattern. Yeah, so. you gotta lose before you can win in the Rocky films. So, what does Ro uh, Creed Two look like? Uh, rematch? No, it can't be a rematch. This guy's going to jail. He gets out mm. to have the fight in the jail. Nope. Pay per view I, events. All right. Spectacle. My prediction. All right. Is it's a tournament? Remember when they had that uh, welterweight tournament? Okay. Uh, and then you can bring back all of those characters, like Wexler, the, the fighter that gets his jaw broken mm -hmm. by Clayton in this movie, or Claxton in this movie. He's still out there. He's the guy that fought him originally and took away his car. 
he's going to be in the mix. There's an open spot. It's an open. Uh, there's no champion in that in in that uh, weight class. So now you there was I think maybe five years ago in boxing they had a they had a a, a tournament a tournament. Okay. I think there'll be a tournament also. That guy that he takes a picture with at his girlfriend's uh, um, party after he finds out that Rocky has the cancer. Rapper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy flashes a gang sign as he's taking a picture with him. That's going to haunt him later on. He he flashes the the three king sign yeah. or whatever. So that's going to figure into the next movie too. I'm making these predictions early. Th- that's Boy. fine. We just we Mr. need a better Two villain. I-, I liked uh, Tony Bellew who was playing Pretty Ricky Colin mm-hmm. in this. He was all right. I don't think he's a memorable uh, opponent. Well, other than the Apollo Creed. Well, I, Apollo Creed. Clubber Lang? Drago. I'm, I'm trying to figure out who's the best one. Oh. Thunderlips? <laughs> Thunderlips is pretty good, too. I think it's Drago. That's why I like I like uh, Rocky IV Drago, so much. No, you got to say Apollo Creed. He was the opponent in the first two films. He was great. He was fantastic. He was great, but he, uh, you don't have to say it. Drago is still pretty good. Well, if you, Drago's not bad. Clever Lang is awesome, too, man. I'm telling uh, but, you. But they're better but, villains. But in Pretty the... Ricky, he's fine. Yeah, you just he's, don't he's see fine. enough he's of him in this film. He's way underdeveloped. He doesn't come in until the he, third act. He really. doesn't come back, I'm telling you. The, 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 the bigger uh, opponent for him is that Wexler guy. I think his All name right. is Wexler, the guy he first fights. Fair enough. So you said that Burgess Meredith... So, uh, I, yeah, I said that Sylvester Stallone is the same age as Burgess. Stallone now is the same age Burgess Meredith was in the first Rocky film. He played Mickey, yeah, his trainer. And I mentioned then later or earlier in this show that I think that Rocky should die in the third Creed film because Mickey right. died in the third. Well, Burgess Meredith died in 1997. Ooh. His last movie role was at, uh, as Grandpa in Grumpy Old Men. <laughs> Did you want to guess that? I was going in that vein, in that direction. I might have said my fellow Americans. So he has to put uh, Melanie's daughter, Allie, to sleep. He reads her the story of Goldilocks. And then Mama Bear said, somebody's been sleeping in my bed too. And finally the baby bear looked and he said, somebody's been sleeping in my bed and the bastard's still there. But Goldilocks had a Remington semi-automatic with a scope and a hair trigger. And that's the end of the three bears. <laughs> so for Mr. Two Frames over there, it's been a pleasure. Have the L trade. Box it motive, everybody. There be dragon. First you have to look like the professional. And you gets the money, then you gets the women, then you gets the power. <laughs> don't you already have the women? I have the woman. There you go. I don't need more women. <laughs> One is enough. But the power and the money, I'll take them. Yeah, it'd be nice. It's-